All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Daily Faceoff Podcast comes courtesy of The Nation Network. Here's your host, Brock Segan, with Dylan D. Berthium and Michael Biebs Bondi. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Season 7, Episode 13 of the Daily Face-Off Podcast. I am your host, back in the saddle, Brock Segan, with me today. We've got Dylan D. Berthium, no Michael Biebs Bondi. He is inexplicably in Pittsburgh, of all places. <laughs> There's like two places I would not expect him to be. First, Buffalo. Sure. Second. Pittsburgh. He's in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Watching. Is it the Penguins game? The Penguins and Panthers. Then he's going to be watching the Steelers and Lions. So have fun, Michael Beebs Bondi. We're here in rainy Windsor. But uh, Beebs, enjoy yourself. D, how you doing? Doing good, man. Happy to be here with you. Missed you last week. You're glowing. You know, you got that. The wedding glow? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Was a good weekend. We had a lot of fun. We had. we had too much fun. The one, uh, the one thing that happened that was actually just funny, probably worth a little quick story. Wife rounds me up. Oh, that was fun. I can actually call her the wife now. Sure. Wife rounds me up. She's like, all right, like, let's get out of here, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, cool. <laughs> we walk outside. We loaded a couple things in the truck. Parents were driving us home. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, I got to go in and say, like, let me go in and just run around and say goodbye. <laughs> this is your own wedding? That you this is my own wedding. Okay. So, like, there, it was winding down anyway, but there's still some people in there, like, so I'm like, okay, let me just go in and say bye, whatever. Sure, yeah. She walks back in, like, because I, ha- I didn't come back out. <laughs> All of a sudden, she walks back in. I'm standing on, the like, the head table, 
dancing. I've got just a crowd of people in front of me, and I'm dancing like, "Y'all gonna make me lose my cool." <laughs> it was, oh my god, like I don't, I don't remember doing it at all. So I got a video the next day. She's like, "You said you were going in to say goodbye." I come in, you're standing <laughs> dancing on the tables. It was hilarious. But, screaming DMX. Yeah, yeah <laughs> screaming DMX. But uh, no, it was a great, great day, great weekend. I'm glad you guys uh, held down the fort. Sounds like he crushed it. Yeah. So steamrolled it. Good work for you. Good work on you guys there. Uh, but yeah, all right. Today is we're going to start with weekend streamers first. We always say weekend streamers for the end of the episode, but I got to thinking for once. Yeah. It's a dangerous game. If you're listening to this episode on Friday, you probably want to beat other people to the weekend streamers. So you should probably listen to it first instead of last. That way you don't have to endure us for an hour. Sure. Just to find out who you should pick up for the weekend. So we're going to go back to front, and hopefully this becomes a trend because it makes a hell of a lot more sense. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we're going to start with weekend streamers. Uh, if you're you know new to the show, what we're looking for in weekend streamers, teams that are playing on Friday and Sunday, the two lighter games of the weekend, uh, trying to find guys that you can easily fit into your lineup on those two days as opposed to picking up somebody who plays on Saturday that's just going to ride the pine anyways. Yeah, and ideally you – Pick a guy up who plays Friday and Sunday. Uh, most leagues have weekly acquisition limits, so the more games you can get out of less ads, the better. So, so there are the three logic. teams uh, this weekend with the Friday-Sunday schedule. Uh, the first being the Calgary Flames. Uh, they're also in Montreal tonight, but then they're in Toronto on Friday and in Ottawa on Sunday. So um, the Leafs have been pretty stingy thus far this season, at least lately. Uh, Jack Campbell playing very, very well. Mm-hmm. Um, the Ottawa Senators, not so much. So pretty nice schedule for the Flames. We'll get to their pickups in a second. The other team is the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, two pretty nice matchups for them as well. Friday in Edmonton and Sunday in St. Louis. Uh, St. Louis, you know, Who they has, got on Friday? Uh, Buffalo. So very nice. Yeah. Um, and then in St. Louis on Sunday. So St. Louis hasn't quite been as good as you might expect uh they've been dealing with some injuries still without Braden Shen no Tory Krug either uh and then the third team that plays uh Friday Sunday is the Washington Capitals in Columbus on Friday and then against the Penguins on Sunday so uh some of the pickups um my favorite pickups by far are from the Calgary Flames so make sure you get to the wire and, and find look for these guys first um and this actually works out very nicely you might be able to pick up all three if you got enough roster spots uh, Andrew Mangiapane, my guy, scored an absolute beautiful goal tonight. Um, he was moved up to lineup finally. We've been screaming for that to happen. Uh, finally gets moved up to lineup, but he also got moved up with Sean Monahan. Um, you know, I for one am stunned that Sean Monahan was not able to produce offensively skating in the on the fourth line with Brad Richardson and Trevor Lewis. I I for one did not see that not being a very good offensive line. Did you think they were going to produce? No, I mean it's just. I mean, you guys thinking totally outside of the box playing Sean Monaghan in the top six here, but hey, it's working. Yeah, it seems to be working. So yeah, tonight it was Andrew Mangiapane, uh, Blake Coleman, Sean Monaghan, three guys that we love on this show. Obviously, Sean Monaghan's had, you know, he had one bad year. Hopefully, they can get him back going here with Mangiapane and Blake Coleman. They, they uh, connected. Two bad years. They uh, they connected. Yeah, two bad years. Uh, one really bad year. Yeah. Um, they connected for a goal tonight. Each Mangiapane scored, Coleman assist, Monaghan assist. So... I would imagine that they'll keep that line together for at least one more game. So I like all three of them. Mangiapane would be the number one target for me. Monaghan would probably be second just because he also is on the top power play unit. 
Um, and then Blake Coleman being third. Uh, own percentage-wise, Mangiapane, 55%. Blake Coleman, 41%. Sean Monahan, 31%. Um, so Monahan, the more readily available of the three. Uh, if you're in, in desperate need of, of D help, uh, I did mention him on the Monday report two weeks ago. Rasmus Anderson, still just 44% owned. He also is on that top power play unit. He's the quarterback of that top unit. So if you need defensive help um, this weekend, I think Anderson is probably a pretty reasonable option as well. Uh, anything to add on the Calgary Flames there, D? No, I like Monaghan. Uh, 31% is, is crazy for him, obviously. But yeah, he's back up, like you say, playing in the top six, playing on the top power play unit. Um, just a few years, obviously, like you said, he had those two down years the year before that, though, he had 82 points in 78 games. Obviously a big part of that was all the success that top line had that year with Goudreau and Lindholm was playing on the wing his first year in Calgary. Uh, Lindholm shifting to center the last couple of years has obviously had a pretty terrible effect on Monaghan's production as he's fallen really way further down the lineup than he ever should have been. As we agreed, you're not going to, uh, get a guy like him to snap his slump playing eight minutes a night on the fourth line. So, uh, yeah, obviously makes a whole lot more sense to have him in the top six. It's good to see. Ideally, of course, he'd be playing with Goudreau, Kachuk, Lindholm, a piece of that somehow. Uh, that's not the case, but obviously he's much better on the fourth line uh, or than being on the fourth line. And, yeah, I think he's um, he'd be my pick out of the three, although I know you're um, a big Mangiapane guy. So. I mean, I just don't know how you can't love Andrew Mangiapane. Um expectedly his shot volume did slow down he was shooting the puck through the roof <laughs> start of the season it slowed down a little bit but not like he even coming into uh tonight he had a goal and two assists in his last four um so now he's got two goals two assists in his last five so still uh really nice comfortable pace and it, it is nice to see him back in the top six sure like we were hoping for um the edmonton oilers not really a whole lot um, available from that team. Obviously, their offense is very concentrated to basically anybody who's on that top power play unit because realistically, they aren't even very good at 5v5. They just are like, yeah, don't worry. We'll just try to play you even at even strength and then we're going to let our 50% power play unit come out here and crush you. Um, and it has been working uh, thus far. Um, so the only guys that are really kind of worthwhile to me, again, if you're looking for help on the blue line, Edvin Bouchard mentioned him a couple weekends ago on the Monday report as well. 35% owned, not seeing a ton of power play usage, uh, but still on the top pairing with Darnell Nurse. So the minutes are through the roof for Evan Bouchard and he's no stranger to firing the puck on net. Uh, somebody who, you know, likes to get the puck to the net as often as possible. Also has um, a very good shot. He scored a goal again tonight. Um, absolutely ripped one bar down. So that gives him one goal and... Sorry, two goals and six assists in his last 10 games. So eight points in his last 10, and tonight's not over just yet. But in that time, he's averaging um, almost 22 minutes a night. So Evan Bouchard seems pretty interesting. And then also Kyler Yamamoto at 6%. Not doing a whole lot. He was actually demoted to the third line, and then Zach Cassian got hurt, so now Yamamoto's back on the second line. So, um, really the only options on this team. Yeah, he's the only um, player in that top six who's at all available, right? Um, obviously, apart from McDavid and Drysaddle, you got Poole Yarby, Nugent Hopkins, and Zach Hyman, uh, whose ownership is all through the roof this year, so it leaves you just with Yamamoto, and obviously you're not going to want to touch the bottom six. Uh, I mean, McDavid and Drysaddle never leave the ice on the power play, so it's not like there's really anywhere else you could look um, other than Yamamoto. 
if you so. if for whatever reason Puyo Yarvi's available at I think seventy eight percent, obviously yeah. he would be the number one target without question. Well, yeah, uh, but chances are chances too. are he is not available at seventy eight percent. And if he is, you should probably just pick him up and keep him forever. Yeah, because uh, he looks great. Um, and then the last team is the Washington Capitals. Again, uh, you know they actually have a number of players available in their top six that are not very high owned because they've got no TJ Ochi, they've got no Anthony Mantha, they've got no Nicholas Backstrom. So the lineup is a lot funkier than it normally looks, but Lars Eller, uh, probably a decent target, 3% owned, He's playing a lot, uh, you know, 17, 18 minutes a night, you can expect out of Lars Eller. Uh, Connor McMichael, 1% owned. He's uh, because of the injuries, just moved up to the second line. He's he's performed pretty well, uh, realistically, just very quietly kind of going about his business, but not, you know, nothing that's going to just jump off the page at you. He would be strictly a, a weekend streaming option. And then Connor Sheary, also 1% owned. Uh, Sheary is probably somebody that isn't, like, there's like a 90% chance that you're going to pick Connor Sheary up, and he's going to go these two games with, like, zero points zero <laughs> shots he just doesn't really get involved offensively all that often but he's on the top power play unit so if you're looking for those power play points on friday or sunday he might be worth a look and then just to quickly go back to mcmichael for uh, a brief second here i'm not sure if he's on the scoreboard yet tonight but two goals three assists five points in his last seven games yeah um you touched on it with shiri um he's not doing a whole lot but he is playing a lot right now uh, over his last Five games with, uh, you know, the recent injury bug that they've been facing. Uh, he's averaging 17 minutes and 27 seconds a night. Uh, but to your point, though, just one goal and four shots on net uh, in those five games. But, you know, nonetheless, uh, it's obviously slim pickings on the wire for the weekend. Uh, this week, you know, last weekend there was a lot more options. We, you know, we loved Anaheim 1, and, and they were pretty much all, all pretty widely available to play on, on Friday and Sunday. Um, yeah, this week, you know, Pretty slim picking, so I, I think you can justify taking a run at Shiri because you know he's going to play a lot. You know he's going to be at least on the power play with Alex Ovechkin, um, and honestly, he's probably due to have a you know a, a decent game here soon with how much he's playing uh, and with you know the talent surrounding him specifically on the power play. Yeah. Um, so that's going to do it for weekend streamers. Those are the only three teams really worth it. I guess the one thing we could briefly touch on are some of the back-to-backs uh, goalies that you could maybe target for a pickup on Sunday um, starting the second half of a back-to-back obviously you're probably not going to want to pick anybody up that's starting on Saturday so these are just the guys to keep an eye on um, Swayman and Allmark should split um, the Devils and the Canadians this weekend but most likely uh, most, <laughs> most likely very high owned and you won't be able to pick them up. So kind of ignore that. <laughs> um, Samuel Montembeau, probably either going to start Saturday against the Red Wings or Sunday against the Bruins. Either way, you're probably not going to be all that interested. Uh, Jonathan Bernier against the Rangers on Sunday is definitely interesting. The Devils are playing very well right now. The Rangers are playing very poorly right now. Uh, so I think that Bernier is definitely somebody worth keeping an eye on. I would imagine Blackwood goes Saturday against the Bruins. And then you've got Bernier Sunday against the Rangers. So I like that. That's a nice setup. Um, conversely, Georgiev against the Rangers on Sun on or the Devils on Sunday might be something to look at. But I would prefer Bernier in that matchup. Yeah. Um, the Senators, they've got the Penguins and the Flames. I probably wouldn't go there. I do love Philip Gustafson. I think he's outstanding. But um, if he ends up starting Sunday, I do like Philip Gustafson a lot. It's Forsberg who caves a shit. Leave him on the bench. Sure. Casey DeSmith in in uh he'll probably I would imagine DeSmith probably starts Saturday in Ottawa, which leaves 
Jari for the Capitals on Sunday. So really nothing to go about there. Uh, you're not going to want to start whoever St. Louis throws out there on Sunday against the Oilers. That leaves Yaroslav Halak in Anaheim on Sunday. Uh, we will talk about Anaheim here in a brief moment. They are just scorching hot for whatever goddamn reason. But, uh, yeah, not really a whole lot to like there. I would say Bernier, Halak, perhaps. Um, if you can fit a start in on Saturday, Joseph Wool, probably going to go for the Leafs against the Sabres. If, if Wool starts against the Sabres, uh, yeah, I think he's, he's – Definitely I think they definitely start Campbell Friday against They're the Flames. They're definitely going to bring up Michael Hutchinson. There's might be a chance that yeah, Hutchinson or they might throw Campbell for the back to back. I would you got to give Campbell some rest, so I Yeah, think, against the Sabres, like if it doesn't happen then it's never like what it's never going to happen. Exactly. But so, I mean, even if it's Hutchinson and you're just looking for a win, he could still be worth the roll of the dice, but I mean, Wolves played well for the Marlies, they like him, so if he gets the nod, um could be worth rolling the dice on if you're looking for a win obviously more chance that you're looking for a start on friday or sunday but maybe you don't have uh, a couple goalies starting already uh and you can look to pivot to wool on saturday but follow that situation uh closely on saturday obviously because like we said there's a few different ways that start could go all right something new something we don't do very often um we are just going to kind of shout some players out uh, particularly players that kind of got off to a bit of slow starts. People might have been panicking on them a little bit, but they've picked it up as expected. Going to just give a couple quick shout-outs here. Mitch Marner is going to top this list. He had one assist. One. Yep. In his first seven games. Remember we were making fun of him because he couldn't score and he had all those shots? Yes. One assist in his first seven. He has since picked up 12 points in his last seven <laughs> to give him 13 and 14. So a uh, very nice run here for Mitch Marner. Three goals, nine assists, 12 points in his last seven. I don't know if we need to talk about it too much. Um, I think my my one concern about Mitch Marner, and I would maybe consider selling him high if the price was right. Obviously, the price would have to be astronomically high. Is it Nylander? Is that your concern? Well, no. I did, I, just not playing with Matthew. Sure. At 5v5. It, it's gonna. It's not going to be great. If, if Nylander continues to play as well as he has, and we're going to talk about him here in a moment, Marner will stick with Tavares. And when you look at the underlying numbers of both of those lines, the numbers just are not there with Marner and... Tavares as they are with with Matthews and and Nylander They're, like that. There's no reason for that Matthews bunting Nylander line to be broken up. They're averaging like 50 scoring chances for per 60. They're fucking incredible. And Marner's gonna have a more difficult time playing with Tavares than he is playing with Matthews, and he's just not gonna play quite as much either. True. I mean, it's also worth pointing out like Tavares's first year. Uh, with the Leafs, where he scored 47 goals, like that—that that was Marner's best season as well. For sure, played together that year. But you know, we're a few. I years just don't think like is, is Tavares going to score 47 goals this year? Like I don't think anyone's anticipating that, that line. Well, they've been playing good. They've been playing good. No, I don't think he's going to score 47 goals, but he's been playing a lot better recently. Um, and yeah, there was once upon a time where we didn't really see much difference between Toronto one and two. Obviously, you know, Matthews has distanced himself a bit from Tavares. Um, the last couple of seasons, but I mean, Tavares has five goals in his last five games, sorry, six goals in his last six games. Um, so yeah, he's red hot. I mean, Mar Marner obviously is playing incredibly well. Uh, and they're both obviously that power play is looking a lot better too. And they're obviously going to be integral parts of that Tavares, the bumper, and then Marner playing usually on the right side, uh, sometimes flipping with Matthews, but either way, like you said, obviously, yeah, you'd prefer with Matthews. Um, but I still think Marner can produce above a point per game if he's playing with Tavares on the second line. Cause he's still gonna be playing a ton of minutes and he's still got John Tavares as you said. Yeah, no, it's, it's not, not like Tavares. Maybe it's it, not it, as it, good at Matthews, but I do think that when they split them up, that teams, 
uh, maybe have to make a little bit more decision with line matching. He doesn't make it as easier, and he's going to get the easier matchups because at the end of the day, they're going to you know dedicate try to shut Matthews their down. best. Yeah, obviously, especially with how well Nylander's playing. Too. Matthews, every time I watch him, I'm like, man, he is so good. He, he just so always good. looks like he just is always controlling the game when he's on the ice. He's just like if you were to build like a prototypical hockey player from scratch, it, he has pretty much everything that you'd be looking yeah. for. Um, I think it's a similar situation with Marner as it is with like somebody like Jonathan Huberto. Like he's still. Ha- a point per game right now is 13 points in 13 games, but you know, he's on pace for 82 points where if he was with Barkoff, he could be on pace for a hundred. He could be on pace for over a hundred. Right. It's just like, they're going to be great. They're just not going to be elite where they, they possibly could be. Um, William Nylander has been as close to elite as you could possibly get at this point. Um, scoring at will recently, Two goals again the other night against the Flyers. He's been just absolutely red hot basically the entire season. But in his last uh, seven games, he's picked up five goals, eight points in his last seven uh, to give him a total of 13.7 goals, six assists in 14 games. Uh, What's really, really nice about what William Nylander has done thus far, 56 shots in 14 games. I believe that puts him second in the NHL only to Alex Ovechkin in terms of shots. Uh, Just to rattle off his last five games, five, four, six, five, five shots on goal. That's incredible stuff. Yeah, he's averaging exactly four shots on goal on the season, or four shots on goal on the season, um, and I think like six shot attempts a game too. So he's just absolutely firing the puck on net. He's playing more, like three minutes more than he did last season, which obviously that was the big thing we were highlighting preseason. I think we all were, you know, I don't think any of us had him in like our top five right wingers, but uh, I think we all had him in our top 10 and we were higher on him uh, than definitely than consensus. And it, and it was because we were just expecting those minutes to go up it, it, with how last season ended with him being essentially their best player in the postseason. Um, really the only one that, was playing well towards the end of that series against Montreal. Uh, it just, you know, there was no way he was going to play 16 and a half minutes a game again this season. And now obviously with him being partnered with Matthews, uh, it's a good deal. And you could, you know, it's, you could probably actually have the conversation of who you'd rather have moving forward this year between Nylander and Marner, simply because Nylander's firing the puck at such a ridiculous rate. And, you know, he's going to score you more goals. Probably Marner will end up with a comfortable amount of more points, but it's, you know, like I said, you can actually have that conversation now, which uh, would have been laughed off in any of the years past. So uh, really great to see. I at least obviously need that with how much money they have dedicated to their core. So um, yeah, it's like I said, just awesome to see. Uh, And I think it really bodes well for, that whole top six moving forward. If you know, you have Tavares and Marner operating well and clicking well, and, and then Matthews and Nylander, obviously uh, power plays doing well. So yeah, just all signs looking good for the Leafs. And hopefully you, uh, you sat tight on Marner through that, that cold streak on pace for 328 shots for William Nylander. Uh, if you, um, if he shoots his career percentage of 11.6, that would turn out to be 39 goals on the season. Um, I think obviously maintaining four shots per game is going to be difficult, uh, but the greatest thing about what he's done to this point, just 12.5 shooting percentage so far. So he keeps shooting like this. It's 40 goal scorer this year. Uh, Nick Suzuki, another guy that really just got off to a, a slow start. I think him maybe more than anybody outside of maybe Cole Caulfield, um, People had very high expectations, um, and for good reason. They had, obviously, a really, really strong playoff run last year. 
And then the start of the season just did not go as planned whatsoever. Um, and people started to really sour on him very quickly. He went uh, pointless in his first four games. But since then, um, he has picked up 12 points, three goals, nine assists in his last 10 games, playing uh, almost 20 minutes a night, 19 and a half minutes a night, 27 shots in 10 games isn't great. The shot volume isn't outstanding, but uh, still 12 points in his last 10. No, it's more than enough. I mean, it's almost... It's enough for him. 2.7. It's, it's just yeah. not like... Yeah. I mean, we're I mean, just talking all, about William Nylander shooting four. <laughs> yeah, yeah, obviously, right. But he's still over... Comparison. I mean, obviously, he's a bit of a pass for his player, but still, that's over 200 shots over the course yep. of the full season, right? And yeah, he's playing incredibly well, and more than anything else, he's playing a ton, um, and you know that's not going to change at all moving forward. So I, I really like uh, Suzuki um, for the rest of the season, and uh, yeah, it was nice to see him turn it around because obviously he was looking pretty bleak there through the first couple weeks of the season. On a shooting percentage of just 8.6 right now as well, so there's uh, plenty of room uh, for improvement in the assist department there. Alex, I follow. Um, speaking of Montreal, Philip Deneau moved to LA. He did. Um, and he, everybody, I think everybody really thought that maybe it was more a product of Thomas Tatar and Brendan Gallagher. And then this guy just goes to LA and gets better. Philip Deneau has been outstanding. He's shooting more than ever. He's playing more, um, uh, like offensively than he, he, even did in, in Montreal. The numbers are insane. I think this uh, this line right now with Iafalo, uh, Dino, and Andreas Athanasiu, they're averaging like 40 scoring chances, 4 per 60. It's ridiculous. Um, Iafalo is the one we really want to focus on. Uh, I think he kind of got a bit of a bad rap from us in years past because he played like 30 minutes a night with Alonzo Kopitar and never really did anything. Now he's playing... 30 minutes a night next to Philip Deneau. And he has 11 points, six goals, five assists in his last nine games, shooting 37 times in that nine-game span, 16.2 uh, shooting percentage. He had eight shots was, last night. Yeah. Or it, it Tuesday was, night, sorry. It was always a th- an issue, right? Like, you liked what, what Tatar could do. You liked what Gallagher could do. We picked those guys up. We played those guys because they were doing so well with Deneau at center. Um what I follow is doing right now is like what you would expect somebody to be doing when you look at those underlying numbers. Like the underlying numbers were so good, but you almost just like ignored them because the production you got from Tatar to know and Gallagher was still pretty pedestrian. Yeah. With that, with that kind of that amount of high danger chances and scoring chances, you would expect 11 points in nine games. Mm-hmm. And if that, if, if those two continue to click together, I fall could have a huge year, which is crazy to say. It just makes no sense. It makes no it. sense. It, Cause like we talked, he's literally just been stapled to Kopitar's hip for the last three or four seasons. And then Philip Deneau comes to town and he moves to Philip Deneau's line. And he somehow at 28 years old, just takes a massive step forward in, in every way possible. 47 shots on goal in the 13 games this season. Like you said, he's over four shots a game uh, in that last nine game stretch. So, uh, he's even playing a little bit less this year. It, it really just makes absolutely no sense at all. You know, he took a bit of a step forward last year. Uh, you know, points per game wise, it was a career best with 30 points in 55 games. And right now he's off to six goals, seven assists for 13 and 13 games so far this year. So yeah, it really makes no sense. Like, <laughs> honestly, if you had just told me before the start of the year, like, Hey, I is going to have 13 points in 13 games. Like you buying that, you picking them up. I would have just like, no, there's no way. Right. Like, I, I don't know who he paid off to have those stats. But when you look at it, like you say, everything adds up. Like all the underlying numbers are there. He's shooting the puck a ton. The line is obviously dominating play at 5v5. 
Um, so yeah, like it, it, it looks like the underlying numbers of a point per game player, but it, it from the, from the outside, it just makes absolutely no sense. But there's maybe, maybe. Th- everything that we see this year is telling us this is legit, but everything we've seen from years past is telling us like what, you know, it's just not computing in my brain. Maybe I follow is making Kopitar better because right now it's Dustin Brown, Adrian Kempe and Kopitar, and they're giving up like 50 scoring chances against per 60. They're just getting absolutely caved. So maybe I follow into no. Are the two we best always knew there LA. was something about Alex Ifall that we weren't getting because he was playing 20 minutes a night with Kopitar. I'm like, there has to be a reason because well, I just, don't get You it. were like, and if, if he was putting <laughs> up this kind of points playing that amount of ice time, you'd be like, yeah, this is fine. I yeah. get it. But he just, he wasn't. No, now he's he like is. 30 points over 82 games playing 19 minutes a night with Kopitar. But now all of a sudden he's just a point per game player on the second line with Deneau. Figure it out. I can't. But like we said, every, every, like all the underlying numbers tells us this is legit. So as long as he can continue playing that well, like he should be owned, like he should be rostered. And it, like you said, it seems like he's in for a breakout season, which again, makes no sense. <laughs> season seven, episode 13 makes no sense. It just does not. Speaking of makes no fucking sense. Troy Terry just cannot stop. Anaheim one, baby. Nine goals, seven assists, 16 points in his last 12 games. That is a 12 game point streak. Folks, for Troy Terry, um, I I just I don't know what to make of it. Um, like obviously the guy's shooting thirty one percent, so like this isn't sustainable. Well, I mean, the, he's got nine goals in thirteen games. I don't think anyone expects him to score sixty goals no, this year, right? But but like trade him now, sure. I, I, like they're playing well. I I gotta admit their underlying numbers are they're solid. They're not great. I think they got like a fifty six percent Corsi four overall. This line's been pretty solid as a whole. So yeah, I think that they can probably sustain a pretty reasonable level of production. Getzlaff's been you know uh, really turned back the clock. Kind of went from a guy who expected to be on the move this offseason returns to Anaheim a bit surprisingly and then just immediately turns back the clock and becomes their number one center again and has 12 points one goal 11 assists very Ryan Getzlaff esque uh, in 14 games this season but 39 shots shooting the puck way more than like we've become accustomed to seeing from Ryan Getzlaff uh, shooting 2.6 percent yeah. Point six. Well, that's standard. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, we talked about <laughs> the them a ton. Four that can carry a defenseman's <laughs> shooting percentage. Yeah. And we're like, yeah, that's about right. I, I'm not <laughs> expecting a lot of regression there. Um, no, yeah, they're playing a ton. I think that's the biggest thing here. And, you know, like you said, they're not necessarily dominating teams at 5v5, but they are creating a lot of chances, which, again, not like Ryan Getzlav at all to be playing high event hockey in his 30s. We really haven't seen that since, you know, probably, I don't know, the 20 the early 2010s but um yeah they're playing at a really high pace right now it's up and down hockey uh Henrique obviously playing really well as uh really well as well really well as well yeah uh I think that's proper English but uh yeah Troy Terry like you said obviously the standout right now but we said it last week you weren't here but me and Beef said it last week I'll say it again I, I'm I'm owning all these guys right now as long as they keep producing at this pace and keep shooting the puck as much as they are and creating as many scoring chances, but all playing together on the power play as well. Uh, and yeah, all playing just uh, a ton of minutes night in and night out. Like, and I don't know that recent 12 game point streak that Terry's on, uh, he's right up around, uh, 19 minutes a night. So, um, that whole top line, like I said, they're all playing a ton and they're playing a lot of high event hockey. That's what I was going to say about, uh, gets laugh last year, 16 and a half minutes a night this year, 19 and a half minutes yeah. a night. How? What? Well, yeah. I mean, a part of it has to do with obviously the 
lineup configuration with Henrique playing on the wing this year and um, not centering his own line. But uh, yeah, they're just obviously more content to lean on that top line. It probably just has a lot to do with how well they've been playing. All right, a couple quick shout outs to get to before we move on to some waiver wire pickups. First being Anthony Duclair uh, didn't really start on the top line. Obviously, they went out and got Sam Reinhardt this offseason. No, he was, um, I think he started on the fourth line. Yeah, but that's, yeah, everybody line, thought yeah. Reinhardt was going to be the top line. Duclair was going to be useless all year. It didn't take long. Uh, Duclair did have a nice start to the season still, yeah. uh, but wasn't on the top line. Like He played nine minutes, 10 minutes, 12 minutes, still scored a goal in each of his first three games. Uh, but then he's been moved up, and it's 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 been working. That, that line, Carter Hagee, Alexander Barkov, Anthony Duclair. If anybody thought it was a joke last year, it's not. They're, they're legit. sadly mistaken. They're still so legit. Uh, five goals, five assists, ten points in his last eight games. Let's hear what you have to say about Anthony Duclair while I look up what he did tonight because I'm pretty sure he was also on the scoreboard tonight. Nice. I like that. Uh, yeah, I like him a lot as long as he's on the top line. We talked about it uh, all last year, I was basically. wrong, by the way. Oh, you no, no points tonight. Mm. Sorry. Uh, I still like him a lot. Um, but yeah, as long as he's on the top line, I think he's worth owning. Like, I, I, I don't know how many times we talked about him last year because he kept, you know, dropping up and or down and then back up the lineup. But um, yeah, I, 10 points in eight games this season. Uh, I think like his ownership has been flying up. So I think it's up above 70 percent. 74. Uh, yeah. And I think that's where it should be, at least uh, as long as, like I said, he's playing on that on that top line with Barkov because, you know, he's going to be playing a ton. Uh, you know, they're going to create a lot of scoring chances. Uh, you know, not just he, but the other two guys like to shoot a lot, too. It's going to be a lot of rebound chances and just a lot of chances to pick up apples as well as uh, goals for the guy. So, uh, yeah, I think, like, it's, you know, nothing changed from last season. As long as he's on the top line, uh, he's worth owning. For the better part of, like, five or six seasons now, Barkov wingers just in general should be owned in fantasy. So, He's just outstanding, Alexander Barkov, that is. I mean, yeah. Duclair's fine, too. Uh, He's a good player in his own right. Same with Just Reggie, over right? 16 minutes a night for his last seven games, or eight games, uh, on the top line. Okay, Brent Burns is somebody that I had ranked higher than anybody else in the industry. This is, I, 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 I want you really, to know, this is my this is my wedding present for you, because I, I put him on this list just so you could flex about Yeah, well, everybody was just dropping him so low, and I'm like, do you guys remember what he did for years? Like... <laughs> Do you guys just forget? Like now he's like getting drafted as like the thirtieth defenseman. I'm like, where where did we go for the last like guy had one bad year, maybe two. The year before that, he had like nine hundred points. Yeah. I'm pretty. And sure. And then even still, it's worth owning from a fantasy perspective, right? Like he just wasn't a point per game or sixty, seventy point player. Um. um yeah. So yeah, big COVID concerns in San Jose. Uh, they are expected to get a number of players back. Uh, if I pulled up. Dailyfaceoff.com. Sure. The average user would probably be able to confidently name two of their current defensemen. <laughs> As a result, in his last five games, Brent Burns has averaged 28 minutes and nine seconds a game, which is patently absurd. Yeah. He's averaging more minutes a game this year than he's ever had in his career, and he's 36 years old. He has eight points, one goal, seven assists in his last five games. In that span, 22 shots on goal, over four per game. Um, I mean, yeah, I uh, I think that it's been pretty obvious that this team is not great, but they're much better than people were expecting. You took out half their fucking lineup. Yeah. And they've been competitive every single night, 
with nobodies. Well, Couture's been playing extremely well. Um, I Hurdle like is still one of the most underrated players in hockey. Yeah, I like Jonathan Dolan a lot. Um, I think uh, you know we Absolutely. already ta- obviously Timo Meyer has been part of this um, this COVID episode that they've been going through, and he hasn't been playing. But uh, when he gets back to the lineup, I like we talked about it before. I just think that top line is going to be really good this season. They're going to be playing a lot of ice, and then if Hurdle's healthy too. Um, then yeah, I think it could be a pretty good team just because you know you're gonna have basically have Burns, Carlson, and then one of those top two lines out there for more than half the game. So uh, I think they can be competitive this year as long as the right guys stay healthy. And obviously Burns is one of those guys. The one thing that you really love to see is the shot volume back up above three shots a game. It's back, baby. That was the one thing that was trending down last year, and honestly, or the last couple of years, and you don't really see guys make a comeback from that in their mid to late thirties too often. So. Uh, just really nice to see overall. And obviously, he's he's as healthy as he can be. Like I said, he's averaging more minutes uh, a game this year at age 36 than he ever has in his NHL career, which is which is pretty crazy. And obviously, with that kind of usage, it's just going to mean good things for a guy like Brent Burns. As I mentioned, uh, they are expected to get a lot of guys back this weekend. But it's, uh, you know, him not playing 28 minutes over the long run will probably end up being better than him playing 20 minutes. It's obviously just not a sustainable thing to do at that age. But uh, Timo Meyer, Eric Carlson, Kevin LeBanc, Mark Edward Vlasic, Matt Nieto, Redeems uh, Shimmick, and Jacob Middleton, to name a few, <laughs> all out uh, during this time. And they've played very, very well. Um, all right. Wave wire pickups. Uh, I think one we should probably start with here is Shane Goss's bear. Um, I, we don't talk about defensemen a whole lot on this show, uh, because oftentimes it really doesn't matter that much. Yeah. It's not as you much can get away with having some slightly shittier defensemen. And there's usually not as much shift throughout the course of the season, just cause, uh, you know, generally speaking, you know, with forwards, there's like five or six, uh, spots or forwards that can, you know, be fantasy relevant on every team. Uh, not too often that there's more than one defenseman. So really there's usually only, uh, spot for one guy to be productive, to enjoy that top power play time, to be playing with the right guys at even strength. Um, so yeah, I think that's why we don't, they don't get touched on too much. Cause like you said, you know, they who, not, usually don't make or break yet. But. Who would have thought Shane Glass's bear might be the defenseman to own this year in Arizona, yeah. as opposed to that Jacob Chikrin, uh, 11 points in 13 games this year. And even after a bit of a slow start, I mean, it was an okay start. He had three assists one game, which really kind of boosts things. But seven assists, or seven points, excuse me, two goals, five assists in his last six games. And over that time, we've really started to see him emerge. This is this is what we, what I've liked to see from him. And 16 shots in those six games. Uh, really shooting the puck a lot. He's playing almost 20 minutes a night. He's a plus four in his last six games, playing for the one-win Arizona Coyotes. What? <laughs> Um, and he's still in the top power play unit. So Jacob Chikrin, I still think Jacob Chikrin is a nice buy low candidate if you can kind of get by with the the minuses. He's already a fucking minus 20 on the season, which is just insanity. Um, he only has one assist, but he has 39 shots in 13 games. Not only is he, like, I don't think you have to even buy low on Jacob Chikrin. You can probably just pick him up. Um, if not now, very, very soon, you can probably wait on him. His own percentage has already crumbled to 64%. Yeah. Um, so it's just going to keep coming down. He has one assist, but that shot volume is still terrific. People are probably just getting fed up with his plus minus. But if Shane Goss's bear can be plus four, we, you know, there's got to be something here for Chicken. It's got to bounce back a little bit. 
yeah, I I, mean, I, I like them both moving forward, uh, specifically because they're both playing on the top power play unit together, which makes sense. You know, Gossipair more of the quarterback type of defenseman on the power play, where Chicharin is obviously more of a, a shooting threat. So uh, I think that's a nice fit. Um, you got some other decent players, Phil Kessel, Clayton Keller on that power play as well. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I don't think Gossespierre has ever not been fantasy relevant when he's quarterbacking a top power play. Obviously, he enjoyed uh, probably some better um, line mates and, and teammates in, in Philadelphia than what he's playing with in Arizona. But like I said, there's still some pieces to that power play. Uh, and he's just a productive power play player. So if he's getting the ice time, uh, I think he's going to produce and yeah, it doesn't take much to be worth owning if you're a defenseman in fantasy hockey. So I, I think he's definitely worth a pickup. Uh, all right, let's go back to the forwards now here. Uh, we'll kind of work our way from uh, the higher owned guys to the lower end guys. Sure. Uh, the one we'll start with here, uh, obviously outside fall we've mentioned earlier, uh, but the next one is Joel Erickson Eck, uh, who is 48% owned. Uh, and I think it's probably worth mentioning his line mates name as well. Cause he's only, he's under 70%. Kevin Fiala, friend of the show, 69% owned, nice. Uh, scored just one of the grossest goals I've ever seen last night. Uh, but Erickson Eck continues to build off what he did a season ago. What is great about Joel Erickson Eck in 2021, 22, is that <laughs> they're no longer relying on him to just carry Marcus Foligno and Jordan Greenway. He's not being used in that strict shutdown role type of role. <laughs> um, he's playing with good players. He's seen some ice time with Kevin Fiala right now. He's played with Kaprizov at points in, in the season. And uh, the offense is flourishing in that in that spot. He has five goals in his last 10 games, 28 shots. So, again, averaging just under three shots per game, seven points in that in that span, um, and playing a ton, 19 minutes, 14. 40 seconds per game right now. So uh, playing in an offensive role, if they continue to do that, they like at first he was playing massive minutes with garbage players still. And they had Kevin Fiala on the third line for no reason. They've moved both of them together now, and it seems to really be working. So I like Erickson Eck. Obviously, if Foligno, or excuse me, if Fiala is available, uh, he's worth an ad as well. But he shouldn't be available. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, we, we've liked him for a few years now, right? And it's nice to see him get this opportunity. Honestly, he reminds me a lot of like Sean Couturier early in his career where he just was such a great uh, shutdown defenseman. It was so good and so effective at 5v5 that uh, his play basically bought him opportunity further up the lineup. And then he took full advantage of it and took a step forward offensively. Uh, and I think, yeah, he was same year, age 25 season uh, when he had that breakout 76 point campaign. Uh, that's where Erickson Eck is at right now. Uh, it's been trending there the last few years. So yeah, it's just really good to see. And I have no doubt that with good players around him, uh, he can put up a fair amount of points because like I said, he just drives play in the right direction. So if you put him with some decent wingers that can score, uh, he's going to, he's going to rack up some points and yeah, I'm just excited to see what he can do uh, with the opportunity. Anthony Sorelli is next 31% owned, uh, kind of the one beneficiary of the Nikita Kucherov injury was Anthony Sorelli. He's moved to the top line with Braden Point and Alex Kalorn. That's not correct. Andre Pilat, actually, not Kalorn. My apologies. The remix. Uh, yeah, Sorelli's been really good lately. Uh, obviously, he's always been a guy that they've relied upon to play heavy minutes. It's not changed with this recent move. He's averaging 20 minutes a night in his last eight games, six points, two goals, four assists in that span. The only concern with Sorelli is he just does not shoot the puck. Ever. <laughs> right. Hates shooting. Um, 
but still manages. He's still a guy, even with his lack of shot volume, that is still capable of scoring 20 goals. And then with this usage, with you know whether it's Stamkos or whether it's Point, uh, he's a guy that could probably you know get pretty close to 40 assists this year. So I don't know if Sorelli is really a long-term addition. Um, but while he's playing on this line, while you know they're playing, while they're hot, uh, I think he's worth an ad right now. Yeah, I think anyone playing that much in Tampa's top six is is worth, like you say, a speculative ad. Uh, again, reminds me of Andre Palat last season, who was kind of in a similar situation. He played a lot. He's playing more last season than he did this year, and just playing with the right guys in that lineup. So, uh, he, and he was one of those speculative ads at the start of the year, and then he just never really cooled down. The underlying nevers never really caught up with him, and never really gave you a reason to drop him. So that could be, that's probably the best case for Sorelli this year, right? I mean, um, Pilat finished with 46 points in 55 games last year. I, I can't imagine a world where Sorelli tops a point a game, but uh, certainly if, you know, if the puck breaks his way, which is he's going to need to with how little he shoots. But yeah, I think like 55 to 60 points uh, is within the realm of possibilities. But like I said, in the meantime, playing 19 minutes a night in that top six, worth the speculative ad for show. Yeah, 20, 20 goals, 40 assists, probably best-case scenario for him right now. Yanni Gord, uh, speaking of the Lightning, now in Seattle. And speaking of centers playing almost 20 minutes a night, Yanni Gord, 19 minutes, 54 seconds. Uh, Jared McCann, we could also talk about him in the same breath. They're basically the same own percentage, 30% for Gord, 29% for McCann. Uh, kind of the first time probably tonight – First time that they've had both these guys in the lineup. Jared McCann activated from the COVID-19 reserve list back in the lineup tonight. Yanni Gord was actually questionable but ended up playing. They're actually playing together. Uh, Morgan Geeky now centering the top line with uh, Eberly and Jaden Schwartz. So Geeky, another guy that I always like to circle back to. If he's playing in that kind of role, Geeky's also worth a look. Uh, but McCann and Gord should just play uh, you know, basically as the de facto number one line will probably kind of act as a shutdown uh, line a little bit, but also can uh, a line that we know uh, with these guys can produce offensively. We've got three goals, four assists, seven points in nine games for Yanni Gord. Um, I know you wanted to talk about this guy specifically. Yeah, I, I like Gord a lot this season. He's, ice time is just through the roof. And like you said, you can play in all situations, and, and that's why he's playing as much as he is. He's playing over 20 minutes a night more often than not. Uh, averaging, I think, just under 20. Um, in 1954. Yeah, just under 20 a game on the season. Um, you know, shot volume has never been great with Gord. He's got 22 shots in nine games. It's actually an improvement from what we've seen from him in years past. He's never averaged more than two shots a game in his career. Obviously, ice time has a big part to do with that. And again, he's just not really a shoot first guy. Uh, but he does have a good shot. He shoots at a high clip. You know, he's probably a little bit picky with the shooting opportunities. And, and, and it works for him. He's got a career shooting percentage of 15.2%. Uh, so even if he can average, like I said, somewhere around uh, two shots a game for the first time in his career, uh, if he's up around 160 shots uh, shooting at his normal uh clip of 15% that's 25 goals for him this season so uh yeah he's always had a good shot so I don't think he needs to fire 300 shots to be worth owning especially because like I said he's going to rack up a lot of assists especially playing as much as he is so uh I honestly I think if I had to pick one uh Kraken is it if you're calling is it an individual Kraken I think yeah. it's a crack. What do you call an avalanche player? It's an avalanche player, right? I always say or an Colorado player, <laughs> a, Colorado. <laughs> a Seattle player. So if you're if you're adding a member of the Seattle Kraken, I I, I own Gord in a in a redraft league right now, and I'm I'm happy keeping him moving forward just because he's he's playing so much, and and like I said, he doesn't need to shoot a lot uh, to score a decent amount of goals. So I I think there's uh, a path to 60, 65 points here this season for Gord because he's going to be playing, you know, three or four minutes more a night than he ever has before. 
We talked about uh, McCann in the preseason as well. Uh, yeah, he's just not playing as much. And like, obviously, I, I like McCann. He's been productive uh, in a smaller role. And I, seven points, three goals, four assists in eight games. Yeah, he's been really good. But again, he's just not seen as much ice time, and it, it still just kind of looks like the bottom could fall out of that um, those numbers a little bit. Whereas Gord, like I said, I just feel a little bit more secure about moving forward. Um, but they're the two, right? They're the two standouts right now for me, anyway. I know, you know, you like to geek about Morgan Geeky, but I think these are the two guys that you can bet uh, on being the most productive the rest of the season. I mean, I, I, I think, like, while we're talking about the Kraken, I mean, Jordan Everly's still only 34% owned. Jim yeah, Schwartz, Schwartz only too. 24% owned. Uh, both guys playing. Uh, Schwartz is well above 19 minutes a night. Uh, Everly at 18 and a half. So I think both those guys are going to be good streaming options week to week because they're yeah. going to be playing so much. Uh, Everly's so been, Everly's been really good. Yeah. Everly definitely is on my radar right now. 34 shots. He's got seven goals on the year. Um, he's got five goals in his last uh, three games coming into tonight. So Everly is another one that I definitely like um, him more than Schwartz, but uh, I like Gord. I like Everly. Everly, uh, you know, obviously provides a little bit more value on the wing, but Gord also has that center Gord right does. eligibility. Yeah, he carries so, right uh, All right, moving on here, we've got Nico Heischer, uh, a guy that we've obviously talked about a ton on this show in the past. Uh, with Jack Hughes out, it's just kind of really elevated his role. Him and Pavel Zaka together have been absolutely electric. Um, again, another situation where I'll have to look up exactly what they did tonight. But Heischer, uh, in his last, where is it here? In his last seven games, eight games, excuse me, two goals, four assists, six points, 23 shots in his last eight games. I'm almost certain he got on the scoreboard again tonight as well. Uh, let me just pull that up. As I hope you go for go here. here. Um, talk about Nico Heischer. This is a professional podcast, by the way. Yeah, well, it's hard when we do it live with the show going on. He had one assist. So he did get on. The he did board. get on the score sheet. See, it is a professional podcast because as we're doing this, I'm literally memorizing who did what. He had one assist, one shot. Played 16 minutes. So he's up to two low. goals, six assists in 12 games. Um, yeah, I mean, he's another guy who's just going to be playing a lot. Uh, you know, I... I He's a guy that we talked about before. It feels like we've never really seen the, the most that he has to offer. Um, I think he's a really good player at the very least. I don't know how productive he's going to be from an offensive standpoint in his career. I, I think he's going to be a really good, at the very least, two-way player for a long time. And obviously, I think he has uh, some more upside. Just hope that those injuries early in his career didn't stunt the development too much because uh, he did have that awesome rookie campaign, you know, relatively good, 52 points. Yeah. It was a really strong showing for a 19-year-old, uh, and he hasn't been able to top that since. So hopefully he can do that over a full 82 games this year. Like you said, off to a really good start. The one thing with him, he's never played anything but center, so he'll, you know, only going to carry that straight center eligibility. Um, but obviously there's still some to like, especially in keeper leagues. You know, again, maybe he never reaches that potential that he had as the first overall pick, but again, you just get the feeling that there's more than what we've seen from him. Underlying numbers with, with Zachary right now are outstanding. I yeah. think also somebody that's worth mentioning is, especially in keeper leagues, dynasty leagues, is Alexander Holtz, one of the hottest prospects in the NHL. Um, he's been called up. He, he's played a couple games on the third line. Now he's on the top line with Heischer and Zaka. And if he is anything as anywhere close to as good as, as advertised, um, and he fits in on that top line, he, he absolutely shredded the NHL before getting called up. If he if he can continue that level of production at the NHL level on that top line with Heischer, that's another player that could kind of take uh, that offense to the next level, especially while Jack Hughes is out. Uh, sticking with the New Jersey Devils, skipping all the way down to 3% owned, Jesper Bratt uh, playing on the second line with Dawson Mercer, another guy that's definitely worth a look um, in, in deeper leagues. I talked about him a couple weeks ago. 
Uh, also a guy we're taking a look at in, in Dynasty uh, Keeper Leagues as well. But Jesper Bratt's been scorching hot, very quiet through his first five games of the season. But in his last six, he's got two goals, four assists, 15 shots in his last six games. Uh, ice time is not nearly as good as what you can get out of somebody like Nico Heischer, but this guy's on the wing. He added an assist tonight, didn't even hesitate, added an assist with three shots tonight uh, to give him two goals, five assists, seven points in his last seven games. Um, and then 18 shots in his last seven games as well. So nearly three shots a game for Jesper Bratt playing over 16 minutes a night. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to find that kind of usage under 5% owned, so good yeah. good show deep, for sure. Deep league. And then another deep league target, Nicholas Waugh. Waugh? They added Jack Eichel, you know, not going to be back for a while. Good for him. They finally had his surgery. I wish I would have been here last week. I would have loved to talk about Jack Eichel for a long time. You could talk but, about him. Well, it's already want, been, but. It's it, you know, everybody knows. It's been kind of beaten down. We'll talk about well, Jack. There's not a whole lot to say right now. We'll talk about Jack Eichel in three months when he's yeah. about to come back. But uh, a lot of injuries still. Nick, William Carlson out long term. Uh, maybe not long term, but at least a, at least another month they're expecting. So Nick Watt, in the meantime, has been skating with Riley Smith and Jonathan Marsh. So uh, that line, it, it's hilarious. I don't think I've ever seen a line when I'm doing my my uh, DFS show. I don't know if I've ever seen a line average 40 scoring chances for per 60 and 40 scoring chances against <laughs> per 60. But this line's doing that right now. Just the most up-tempo. That's some insane fun hockey. Fuck. Well, the, the, the Vegas School of the Knights is fucking defense optional right now. Like, they just, they <laughs> like, if it wasn't for Robin Lander, they would be getting blown out every single night. Laurent Bressois tonight, we're going to wake up tomorrow morning, Minnesota Wild, like 7 two victory because they just cannot play defense a, right that's now. That's a bold claim because you know that game's already going to happen. have happened by the time people listen to this. Yeah, I know, podcast. but that, well, that's what I'm saying. So when they're listening to this, just remember that I called it. But usually you want to, you know, at least give yourself a little, maybe they'll forget in a couple of days, you know. I'm just saying it's, it's pretty bold. Well, it's, it's undoubtedly bold. It's the Minnesota Wild scoring uh, how many goals. How many points is Joel Erickson getting then if they got seven goals? Four for sure. Really? Yeah. I think he gets 10 points out of those seven goals, and he ties Daryl Sutter's record. Would be incredible. Uh, <laughs> but that is going to do it for today's edition of the DFO podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, again, my apologies, uh, well, for one, for missing last week's episode, but the boys carried, so it doesn't matter. I can't but I also didn't have a chance episode. to do a Monday report this week. I got married on Saturday. I still feel the effects of it on Monday. So the Monday report will be back this Monday. And then a regular scheduled episode again next week. Uh, Brock will still be we'll, hungover. He just won't be as hungover. Oh, uh, maybe. We'll, we'll not wedding hungover. Sunday fun day, baby. Yeah, absolutely. But thank you guys so much for tuning in. As always, uh, you know, please, if you if you like what you hear, you like like what we do, please head over to iTunes. Give us a five star review. Tell us, you know, say something nice. It always just makes you feel warm and fuzzy when you get a nice five star review. And tell, tell your Brock friends. Can, tell your friends, friends. Yeah, yeah, your friends, friends, friends. That aren't in your league. Obviously, you know, you want to keep that edge. I get it. Oh, yeah. 100%. Because when you pick up Yanni Gord, he goes off next week. Or and the like, rest of the season. How about Yanni? Yanni. How about Sean Monihan and uh, Andrew, Andrew Mangiapani this weekend? I could see that. Well, Popping maybe not, not Mangiapani, but I could see you. I could see you. I uh, can't believe how good he's been this year. And the the amount of pushback I get on Mangiapani is unbelievable <laughs> in this podcast. He's an absolute stud, and like I just, I never get, I never get any love for because him. you got lucky, dude. Like there were, you got lucky. Everything, I've been talking about this guy for like a year and a half. Every, and he's yeah, but everything stud. for the last year and a half was just red flag, red flag, red flag. You were going against everything this podcast stands for, and I then think, he turned on the underline. You got a little lucky. That's I all. think Andrew Mangiapani at least makes up for my slight lack of 
of uh, production from Nino Niederreiter. <laughs> he shall not be named. <laughs> Never forget. His underlying numbers are still outstanding. We're still expecting big things from Nino. Nino Voldemort. Yeah, absolutely. But all right, that's going to do it for season seven, episode 13. I'm Brock Seagame. We've got Dylan Deepers. We'll see you guys back here on the Monday Report next week. Peace. Broken down, so I walk the line. I drop my wounds and I down. I'm out of money, I'm out of time I fly low like a broken arrow The time slows and my vision arrows I'm out of money, I'm out of time Sing your hearts out, sing it loud Make me happy, make me proud Black holes, solid ground History at Roland Garros, where old rivalries meet new talent on the clay battleground. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled access as the world's top players in tennis face off to see if the veterans maintain their dominance or if a fresh face rises to challenge them. Daily live coverage of the French Open begins Monday, May 20th. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.